We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey Chargers fans, this is the Guilty as Charged podcast where we discuss all things related to the Los Angeles Chargers. We are available on all podcast platforms including Apple, Spotify, and Google. If you like the show, please leave us a rating or review. We do really appreciate the positive feedback. Make sure and follow us on social media including our Patreon account where as little as $1 gains you access to cool things like jersey giveaways and film breakdowns. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Hey Chargers fans, welcome into another episode of the Guilty as Charged podcast. Uh, today's going to be a jam-packed episode. This is our game day preview. Obviously, the Chargers are facing the Kansas City Chiefs this week, so we're excited to get that started. Uh, but first things first, Alex, how you doing today, man? I'm um, doing pretty good. Yeah, how's how's life down there in Florida going? Uh, life is uh, better than whatever Bobby Hart's currently experiencing. <laughs> <laughs> man, this well, this Bengals offensive line is is not good. Um, I know the Bengals drafted Hakeem Adeniji out of Kansas, mm-hmm. um, but they should have drafted an, at least one more other lineman. Um, Xavier Suafilo got put on injured reserve, and, and tonight has just been it's been brutal to watch right. for uh, the second straight week for Joe Burrow. Burrow's got some touchdowns though; he's got three already, and uh, yeah, so that's going good for one of my fantasy leagues. I, I have been really impressed with Joe Burrow, honestly. I thought he showed some – I mean, he's – we knew heading into this year that he was going to be, you know, uh, gritty and tough and have poise in clutch situations. And then he loves the no huddle and five wide sets. Like, that's – you know, that's what we know about him. And that's been uh, showing through tonight. I love his pocket presence. And he's been some bad decisions, but he's a rookie. And, you know, that's what rookies do. Uh, but it's been really fun to watch him and – uh, his connection with AJ Green and hopefully CJ Uzama avoided an Achilles injury. Um, doesn't seem like he did, but uh, I think the Bengals are going to be in, in good shape going forward. Yeah, once they get a functioning offensive line and yes. you know spend their entire uh, off season uh, draft and free agency on tackles, then they'll probably be good. <laughs> yeah. This year, the Panthers drafted all defensive players. Next year, the Bengals need to do the same, except all offensive linemen. <laughs> all seven rounds. Yeah, all seven rounds. Give me all the offensive linemen. Um, so before we get started, we are going to do our picks for the week. We each have three games that we're going to pick. But I just want to clarify to everyone, uh, in case there was some confusion, uh, we're going to do our game recap episodes as soon as the game is over. 
Um, and then we will publish those the next day, whether that's, you know, obviously Monday like this week or on a Tuesday, like when they play on Monday. And then we will do a game preview um, on as our Friday episode. So if you're a new listener, and that's kind of the schedule right now. In the past, we, have, we had done Tuesday and Friday. Um, now we're just going to do the day after the game and then the weekday before the game. So just wanted to, to clarify that. As always, we do appreciate any ratings and reviews. We are really close to watching Alex do a handstand. We're already um, there. Our, we're already <laughs> there. Okay. Breaking news, kind of. Yeah, breaking um, news. So I, <laughs> I I put out on Twitter because we were at like 105 reviews or something. I was like, all right, when we get to 110, I'll do a handstand. And I didn't think we were going to get there for another two or three months, but we're already at 110 reviews. So uh, on Sunday after the Chiefs game, uh, when we do our pod, I will have to ask, at least start the show uh, by doing a handstand until I fall. Uh, and <laughs> we are going to record on Zoom uh, so therefore it will be captured on video. So that'll go up on Twitter. Uh, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not excited. Uh, this closet isn't the best environment to do a handstand in. Uh, but yeah, I definitely got to get some workouts into the next couple days. Yeah. To do some push-ups over the next couple days. Um, <laughs> and as always, we do have our Patreon page, which the link is in our Twitter bio. Um, because of the delay from the all 22, we haven't been able to get up some breakdowns this week. Like we've been able to, like we've wanted to, excuse me. Um, but they will come before the game starts on Sunday. Don't you worry about that. Okay. So let's, uh, get into these picks. Um, do you have an upset pick that you really like by chance? Upset pick that I like. It's, it shouldn't technically be an upset, but it's, it's going to be one of my picks. The Colts are favored by three over the Vikings, and I don't like how the Colts really played last weekend. Uh, you know, I, I think Philip Rivers is just going to throw that crucial interception. Because of how the Vikings lost last week, I think they're, you know, going to want that game to, you know, to avoid an 0 2 start. Uh, the Colts are going to be looking for that too, but I just think the Vikings are ultimately a better team, kind of both offensively and defensively. Uh, so I'm going to go that the yeah, Vikings beat the uh, Colts. I like that pick. I think that that's, that's definitely both teams looking for a bounce back win, especially the Vikings. You know, they look so bad against the Packers, especially that secondary. Obviously they had uh, a bunch of rookies that they picked and in this year's drafts, but that, that was not a, a fun game to watch if you're a Vikings fan. Um, all right. And what are your other picks for this week? Uh, my other picks for this week, I have the Fal- uh, sorry, the uh, Cowboys uh, over the Falcons. That's, uh, I think, a pretty easy game to pick. I don't like how the Falcons look this week. Um, I, and obviously, yeah, this is another situation where both teams are 0-1, looking for that win. Just think the Cowboys are a kind of significantly... Uh, better team at, at this stage and I, I think Dak is going to come out because he made some errors that he uh, shouldn't have last game and obviously there was the whole Jalen Ramsey thing last game that kind of ended it and you know but I don't think the Cowboys played as well offensively as they could have and I think they're a better team than the Rams uh, but you know just came down to it for that one. Uh, but yeah, I think the Cowboys and the Vikings both bounce back. And then for my final game, I'll go that the Cardinals, uh, defeat <laughs> the undefeated Cardinals defeat the undefeated Washington football team. Uh, and I'm picking against the football team again, but they're, so they're probably going to win, but, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'll pick, uh, Kyler. So, uh, I'm two and one so far. I know Steven's three and oh off of his hot week last week, but, I'll go with the yeah. Cardinals, the Cowboys, and the Vikings. I like those picks a lot, man. I think, you know, I love Kyler, and I think Kyler's going to have a huge year, and I think this is a good spot for them to uh, have another good week. Um, so for my picks, the first one I want to talk about is the Steelers and Broncos game. Um, I think the Steelers are going to be, you know, a, an 11-win, 12-win team this year. I think they cover uh, pretty easily against the Broncos. They're favored by seven. Uh, I could see them winning by 13, 14 kind of range. And um, you know, I think Drew Locke is going to get going, but I think it's going to be tough sledding for, 
for the next few weeks. Um, and then the next one I wanted to highlight here was also the Ravens and the Texans. Um, I just think the Ravens are an amazing, amazing team. They're favored by seven. That feels a little low to me considering how they dominated the Browns and how poorly the Texans played against the Chiefs. And what a brutal start for the Texans, man. You get the two best teams arguably in the league back-to-back weeks to open the season. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, Unfortunate. It is unfortunate for Deshaun Watson and company. I think uh, the Ravens probably win that game by 14 or more. And then for my upset of the week, I'm actually going to pick the Patriots over the Seahawks. Um, Bill Belichick was talking today about how much he respects Russell Wilson and and thinks that he's arguably the best player in the league. And I just think, you know, Bill's going to have something up his sleeve for uh, what the Seahawks have been cooking up. And uh, we've seen in years past the Seahawks have kind of the tendency to start slow at home sometimes. Uh, maybe they make some mistakes in, in key moments. They almost lost to the Bengals last year, for example. Uh, so I think the Patriots are going to upset the Seahawks in Seattle. Um, that is the Sunday night game. So hopefully I get some uh, second week in a row Sunday night luck after I picked the Rams to beat the Cowboys last week. Yeah, no, I'm curious to see how the Patriots kind of respond this week because they got the win versus Miami last week, but obviously going against a much tougher opponent here, I think both on defense and offense. Um, I'm curious to see what Cam does if he's forced to throw more because uh, that shoulder was kind of a question yeah. mark heading into free agency. He only threw, I believe, 20 <clears throat> passes last week. Uh, a lot of his kind of dynamic plays came on the ground, so I'm curious to see how he looks if the Seahawks force him to throw it in the air more. Yeah, and that definitely is going to come at some point. I don't know if it's going to come this week because, you know, they ran the ball like 47 times last week <laughs> against the Dolphins. Right. And, you know, yeah. I, I think Patrick or Patrick uh, Cam had 15 carries, I think, um, and they were doing stuff that he hasn't done since, you know, his MVP year with just like, quarterback power type runs and brad kelly i don't know if anyone else follows brad kelly but he posted this video of the patriots and they had four tight ends and a fullback and then cam just in the in the shotgun by himself and it was just like they had all these blockers on the field and i think the play ended up going for like 10 12 yards but you know so they're going in the anti-air raid offense and and i think cam's going to have you know, 12 to 16 carries a game, which is going to be really interesting to watch. And like you mentioned, eventually someone's going to figure out how to stop him on a game to game, or maybe, you know, the game script isn't so favorable. I think they play the the chiefs again this year. Uh, So if they have to go, you know, pass heavy offense, it's gonna be really interesting to watch. They don't really have any weapons besides obviously Julian Edelman, but uh, their skill positions uh, depth chart is not good. Yeah. It could be better. So I think uh, Muhammad Sanu just got picked up by the 49ers, by the way, and the 49ers have been decimated by injury. And if George Kittle doesn't play for the next couple of weeks, that's going to be tough sledding for Jimmy G and company. Um, so we'll get into the Chargers uh, podcast stuff now. This is the meat of the show, obviously. This is why you guys are listening. <laughs> um, and we'll start off with the Mike Pouncey news. I think you know we've kind of speculated about this for the last little bit. Um, the Chargers were so vague about the whole thing, like, oh, he's fine, he's fine. You know, it took them like two weeks to come out and say this isn't related to his neck. And then obviously last week it came out that it was his hip, uh, that he was battling kind of through this injury. And then obviously today the Chargers had a press release stating that he was going to have hip surgery and miss the rest of the year. He is a free agent after this season, so I fully expect uh, that this means that he's played his last game as a Chargers, which uh, is just unfortunate for him. But Alex, what did you what did you make of the whole situation, and, and what do you think is this a net positive for the team? Is this a negative? Because there's been a lot made of like, oh, the Chargers have lost another starter, but really, Pouncey, like he's he hasn't been a starter yet. Obviously, he was the presumed starter, but you know he hasn't practiced in weeks. So, what do you make of this whole situation? Yeah, I don't think it's very surprising. I said last week on this podcast, because we recorded the day that they announced it was a hip injury, and I I said once it was a hip injury that I was pretty concerned. Um, 
Yeah, and, and I just, you know, I knew that Pouncey had some bad hips, but I, I was just kind of baffled by researching just, you know, the history of this and having a stem cell treatment in 2017, and he's had, like, both hips in 2014 and 15. Like, this has just been a long um, history for this guy um, when it comes to his hips, and I just feel... I feel bad for him, uh, really, because now, you know, this was his contract year and, you know, he has it kind of taken away from him. And, you know, we, we talked about this being the end of his Chargers career. This might be the end of his football career, you know, period, right. um, with another hip surgery. So that's I just feel bad for him from that perspective. Um, as far as net positive, net negative, I think it is a positive in the sense that, right, um, we, we talked about, I think, on Twitter and you know, they do get to see Forrest Lamp. Dan Feeney played well last week, right? So you get to see those guys, and you get to see Dan Feeney, um, you know, prove if maybe he's one of those higher-priority free agents next uh, season. Uh, and, you know, the same is true for Forrest Lamp. We, we've kind of assumed Forrest Lamp was chopped liver after the season, but obviously now Forrest Lamp is going to be playing a pivotal role for 16 games, right? And so... This is kind of a going to be put up or shut up time, I think, for him. So I think this pouncy injury is bad from the standpoint of depth because if Feeney right. gets hurt, you know, and then that really uh, makes things a lot thinner. So there, there, it, it's bad from the sense that I think it makes them thinner on the offensive line. Um, but I do think it is good from the sense that you get to see what Feeney. Um, and Lamp and all of these guys have on the offensive line. Um, so, you know, I definitely feel bad for Pouncey, though. Yeah, this is just you know, an unfortunate uh, turn of events for him. You know, I think we were really lucky to see him play all 16 games in 2018. I didn't think that when the Chargers signed him that that was going to be something that happened. But I also didn't think that he was going to, you know, go in the total opposite direction he played five games last year, really four because he got injured really on in that uh, Denver game. Um, and then obviously this year with the hip. So just a, just a really sad turn of events for him as, as a player and as a person and, and the Chargers players and, and locker room and coaches love him. And they elected him a captain this year. And again, I think he was a captain last year as well. So, I mean, he's got a lot of respect in that locker room and the players love him and, and, the coaches love him. So it just is from a leadership standpoint, I think that's the bigger loss than on the field standpoint. Um, you know, I was on record saying that I am kind of wanted them to move on from bouncy and maybe give Questenberry or Feeney a shot. And now we're going to get to see that happen. Um, just from a long-term perspective, I think this definitely helps because heading into the season, the injury offensive line outside of Trey Turner, it was very, it was murky at best. Um, you know, you have right. Forrest Lamp, who has been off so frequently injured. You had Mike Pouncey coming off a neck injury. You didn't know if Dan Feeney was going to be a left guard or a center. Uh, you didn't really know about Scott Questenberry. I know about Scott Questenberry, but, you know, the <laughs> team for some reason doesn't like him very much. So the the outlook was, was murky. And so I think this gives the team a true opportunity to figure out if Forrest Lamp and Dan Feeney can hold the fort down moving forward. Um, I think Dan Feeney is going to have a big year. I think he's going to have uh, a, a very special season and prove that he should be kept around. I know Forrest Lamp was the highest graded offensive charger by pro football focus. I didn't see that. I, I still saw some struggles with bull rushes and with stunts and um, they only had him listed for one pressure given up. I counted three. So I, I thought Forrest played well. I thought he played better than he did in the games last year, but I'm not ready to like have full confidence in confidence in him yet. Whereas I'm pretty confident that Dan Feeney is going to be that level of player moving forward. Right. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck pro football smokers <laughs> was. Uh, pro football smokers. Yeah. I, yeah. They, what are they yeah, smoking what, over there? Yeah. I don't know what they're smoking this week because they gave Casey Hayward a 31.3. He had 12 tackles, held AJ Green to 50 yards. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Uh, but anyway, uh, other than my Casey rant, yeah, I I agree that Lamp played well last week. Uh, I don't know if I expect him to sustain that for 
um, you know, 16 games, especially considering that the Bengals matchup was easier because of what they were missing on the interior offensive line with Atkins, and then Reeder went down, uh, and Daniels was kind of banged up, so we'll see how that progresses over the season and right. <laughs> how they deal with Chris Jones, yep. uh, <laughs> you know, coming at him. Um, but yeah, I definitely think that in that sense, it is a net positive for the long term. You know, I just kind of wish Pouncey would be able to kind of stick out this year and um, see what he can do. But, you know, just kind of sucks for him in that regard. Yeah, so in the corresponding move, they obviously promoted Gabe Neighbors, who only played five or six plays on Sunday, to the active squad. Um, so that'll be interesting to watch. I assume this means that Ryan Groy will stay active as well, and obviously Tyree St. Louis will go back to his a backup role once Trey Turner um, is fully active. But yeah, I'm excited to watch this uh, into your, we'll get into our key matchups, but I'm excited to see how this group uh, goes up against Chris Jones. And I think that really is going to kind of determine the game. Um, So we each have gone back and watched the game now. Um, You know, thankfully I was able to watch the all 22 today. Did you have anything that kind of changed your mind once you rewatched the game or anything that stood out to you when you watched the film? Uh, in terms of the Bengals game, not a lot changed uh, for me. I, you know, the thing that I just, you know, kept saying was like, you know, the, we kept saying that the offense was kind of like slow and awkward last time. And one of the things that was awkward about it was, you know, um, y- you pointed out this footage to me, but, uh, you know, they were using like Keenan Allen as like a decoy on like some routes and, you know, they had another route where they used Joe Reed as, like, a decoy. Um, a few where they kind of used Eckler in that way as well. And it's like, stop using these guys as decoys because they're good. <laughs> yeah. um, but there, there's part of me that's like that. But, you know, it, it's, to me, well, you know, we'll, we'll get to the keys to the Chiefs game. But it's like, you know, Keenan Allen... Is not you're not going to win a lot of games if Keenan Allen's only getting 37 yards. You know they they only you know won this one by uh, Randy Bullock's you know injured not injured calf <laughs> but, <laughs> by the grace of that. But um, oh, man. you know it was it, it was just a little weird to see like uh, such you know an offense that you know is known for playmakers like Keenan and uh, Mike Will Hunter Henry Eckler just like kind of feel static and you know some people are going to blame that on Tyrod and I don't think Tyrod had the greatest game looking back at it either um you know I thought he I maybe have a little bit of a worse opinion of his game after watching the all 22 I just think there were maybe some more questionable throws than I initially thought um but you know I I still think um I, I still think that my opinion of the game was mostly the same uh, you know, oh, one of the things that I wanted to mention was just, it, you know, PFF posted that Jesse Bates was playing with his uh, hair on fire, and I was like, you know, I I was watching that, and I was like, geez, this man was crazy that game, and yeah. he might be the best free safety, uh, you know, that they go against all year. He was just insane. Uh, I guess we'll see how Juan uh, Thornhill does this week, uh, but. You know, he he was just uh, a monster in this game. Uh, but, yeah, no, not much changed about the Bengals game. Uh, ugly win, you know, and now we're on to the Chiefs, really. Yeah, exactly. That's the big thing is on to the Chiefs. Um, as for the Randy Bullock thing, that guy was 100% faking, which, you know, <laughs> I, respect, I respect the move. You know, it's like when, when Shaq or Giannis would airball a free throw, they always, like, you know, shake their wrist really hard or like grab their arm to like say like, <laughs> Oh man, like this. So I, re- I respect the move, but it was hilarious because he, after he kicked it, he like bent over and grabbed his, his leg like right away. Right. And then after the game, he said that he hurt his, he, he said the wrong leg. He was like, I hurt my right leg, <laughs> but he bends over and picks and, and is grabbing his left leg. So that dude was 100% faking. I mean, if I missed the if I missed the thirty yard field goal, I'd be facing an injury <laughs> too. If I missed the if I missed the game tying free throw, you know, uh, a la George Hill in the finals or something, you know, I would just you know immediately start cramping. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. 
But to his credit, he played well tonight. I don't think he missed tonight, so I guess he he bounced back. It was a weird weekend for kickers, man. We didn't talk about this, but there were a lot of missed kicks. And even Steven Gostowski, who's like arguably the best kicker ever, you know, he was awful on Monday night in Denver, which is like the heaven for kickers. So uh, maybe something to keep an eye on as fans are not in the games. Maybe their depth perception is off or something. I don't know. But um, there were a lot of missed, missed kicks from this past weekend. So um, I tweeted a bunch of my main takeaways from rewatching the film. Um, you know, Tyler kind of pointed this out to me. There were a lot of opportunities that Eckler had open, but the Bengals really keyed in on him. And I think that was maybe the Chargers kind of saw something and maybe they just decided to use him as a decoy. Maybe that is, is kind of the, the silver lining here. Um, but I still was kind of disappointed that they didn't scheme some ways to get him the ball and, and even do some screen passes or something. They only ran one screen play all game long and it went to Hunter Henry and it worked great. Um, but I would love to see some more creativity in terms of getting Austin Eckler the ball. As for like the lack of creativity overall, I can see and hope for the Chargers vision going forward because there are some things that the, they could do off of the option plays that they set up. You know, there were a bunch of ones that I tweeted out. So just I'm telling this to myself as much as anyone, like be patient. The creativity should be coming. Um, it's just a matter of when they choose to break those plays out or not. Um, Tyrod, I, it, it's, it's tough because I, I've been really excited to see him, not in terms of like, I expect him to be this, world breaking all time great quarterback this year, but you know, I've been excited to see how the chargers use him and kind of get him at his best with the, with the pieces around him. But Tyra kind of needs to take a deep breath and be a little more patient on situations. You know, I, I tweeted about the one option on fourth down where it was pretty clearly a, a run pass option and he didn't even sell the fake. Like it was immediately, he just knew that he was taking off. So I'm looking forward to seeing Tyra kind of, be a little more patient. And that includes in the pocket. There were a couple of times uh, where he had players. If he had just waited half a second and kind of switched to the next read, he had players open wide, you know, for big gains or, or what, or small gains or whatever. Uh, so I just am hoping that Tyrod is a little more patient uh, in situations. Maybe it, it kind of seemed like he was forcing it a little bit, um, which is to be expected. He hasn't started a game in a few years. Maybe there's some first game jitters, but um, just needs to be a little more patient in the pocket and, and on the run plays as well. Yeah, um, agreed. One of the things that I really want to see for Tyrod in this game is um, get him some designed runs. Like, every yeah. time Tyrod really ran in this game, it was because he, like, had to, right, on some of those fourth downs or, like, you know, uh, the pocket broke down and he ran out of the pocket. But it's like, you know, one of the things that helped Cam Newton so much this week was designed runs and, like, right. you know, uh, building a strategy around that. Like, I, I was just surprised that the Chargers didn't come out really with any design runs. Um, and it's just like, you know, this is one of this guy's strengths. You know, he's not Lamar Jackson at running, but he's certainly um, a hell of a lot better than, you know, Philip Rivers, you know, <laughs> plywood legs were, yeah. right? Like, he can move. And it's like, you know, give him give him some design runs where he can show off his athleticism. Um, you know, and that goes with the creativity and... We, we ranted about this in our uh, group chat, but it's like, why the fuck does Joe Reed only have 3% of snaps? Like, get, get yeah. feed, feed, feed my man. He's the best third receiver on this team. Like, it, it just frustrates me to see them, like, uh, just jump away from, you know, some easy opportunities for creativity, right? It's like, you don't even have to think this hard on these ones, but it's like, no. I don't know. Well, we'll see what they do um, against the Chiefs, but... You know, a lot of my frustration with the all 22 and snap counts was just like, you know, there's just some, you know, easy ways you can tweak this and make it a lot better. But, you know, that might just be um, the fact that we're treating it as a preseason game and like, uh, you know, seeing kind of what they can do. And, you know, I, I, I as we said last week, I doubt that they showed their whole arsenal and their whole playbook. Um, but, you know, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more. Joe Reed only playing three plays is probably my biggest complaint of the game. Um, I like, I, I just, I can't wrap my head around 
the thought <laughs> process of talking all offseason about being more versatile and, and comparing Joe Reed to Percy Harvin and all these guys who have been so creative and, and Debo Samuel, for example. And then you give him three plays and on all three plays, he motioned into the backfield on every single one. He motions right. into the backfield and you don't give him the ball once. And he had a great return that set up a, right. a touchdown drive. He had the 46 yard kickoff return. You don't give him a single touch after that. So I'm just like, I can't wrap my head around the Joe Reed usage or lack thereof. I should say, um, I don't understand the infatuation with Jalen Guyton because all he can really do is run straight really fast. And I, I, I don't get that. I'm hoping that that's something that changes going forward because it's not a rookie thing because they gave Joshua Kelly 12 carries. Like, obviously they know what Joshua Kelly can do. So you should be able to know what Joe Reed can do and giving him three snaps was just, it was annoying, man. I, I was frustrated at that one. Yeah. You know who else can run really good fast uh, in the forward direction? Leonard Fournette. He's really good at doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, But, yeah, anyway, I I just think, yeah, they just need to show more creativity this week. And and get Joe Reed and get K.J. Hill. uh, Get those guys involved. And, yeah, maybe a couple fewer snaps for Jalen Guyton. Um, not to bag on Jalen yeah. Guyton. I, I just right no like I, I definitely think it's not to bag on him, but it's like you know I, I've watched so much film that like I'm just so confident in the idea that Joe Reed is the third best receiver on this team. Like he has uh you know he's not the fastest, but he has the best kind of intermediary speed between like a KJ Hill and a Jalen Guyton, and he has the ability to you know run underneath routes, beat a receiver over the top. Like, those are just skills that the other two don't possess. Like, so I, I I, just don't get their hesitance to Joe Reed, especially, you know, considering the kick return gave them 48 yards up near the 50. And it's like, I, I just, I don't know what they're doing when they don't play some of their best players sometimes. Yeah, so we'll jump now into the injury report. Um, you know, thankfully, outside of the pouncing injury, the Chargers seem to be kind of... Uh, Heading into a, you know, a, a relatively healthy game. Um, Joey Bosa did have a triceps injury, but he uh, had a limited practice Thursday, so I expect him to play. Uh, Justin Jackson is the interesting one. He did not practice. Obviously, he has a quad injury. Um, they did uh, call up Darius Bradwell from the practice squad, so I, I do expect Bradwell to uh, get the nod over Justin Jackson this week. Donald Parham has an illness. Um, he did not practice again, so we'll see. Um, he didn't play anyway, so I don't, I don't know if he's going to. Um, and then the big one really outside of Mike Pouncey today was that Trey Turner practice in full. Um, getting him back against Chris Jones would obviously be a huge uh, step forward for the Chargers and their chance, chances of winning this game. Right. Uh, so I think Justin Jackson probably likely isn't playing um, I guess the fact that it's Bradwell and they're not signing like an outside third back, right? Cause they did meet with, uh, they had try, I don't know if it was tryouts, but they sort of saw what Bilal Powell and Troy Main Pope and some of those right. guys had. So maybe that was in case that it was a long-term injury. Perhaps they don't view it as a long-term injury right now. I don't, I don't really know. Uh, but right now they're taking it seemingly week to week with Bradwell so I I think Bradwell will be fine in the running back three role I think they'll lean much heavier obviously on Eckler uh, and Kelly uh, and I think Kelly showed last week he can be heavily leaned on uh, when it comes to the second running back role so I think they'll be good there and obviously I'm very excited to see Trey Turner play uh, and he is going to be important because I think he does have kind of one of the easier matchups this week because he'll get Derek Nandi or Kalen uh, Saunders, someone like that. Um, but it's important that I think he really nails his matchup because the other matchups aren't favorable for the Chargers. So he's got to be, uh, I think, one of the constants that just really goes out there and balls due to the other uh, difficult Chiefs matchups like Frank Clark and Balaga or... Uh, you know, obviously you have Chris Jones in the interior, right? So you got those guys on the ends in the interior that I, I think if Trey Turner holds his own, it would definitely be 
uh, a big benefit to the offensive line, especially considering the, um, you know, hectic performance of Tyree St. Louis last week. Yeah, because Tyree St. Louis, man, he was he was all over the place. He was, I think, he probably led the team in uh, in pancake blocks, but I think he was was really bad in passing situations. To me, the biggest upgrade in in having Trey Turner over someone else is going to be those short yarded situations where the Chargers really struggled because you know DJ Reader, Mike Daniels, um, they played very well in those short yarded situations, and the Chargers couldn't really get enough push. Um, and that's been the weakness of Forrest Lamp and Dan Feeney, right? They're not power offensive linemen. They're they're more quickness based. But Trey Turner is a power based offensive lineman. So uh, if they need a short yard situation, please run right behind Trey Turner. <laughs> um, I think that is going to be uh, <laughs> something to focus on. I doubt they do a quarterback sneak again after it went so poorly. Um, but you know, Joshua Kelly, if you're in a short yard situation, just run right behind Trey Turner. Right. So in terms of the Chiefs injuries, um, I would be surprised if Charvarius Ward played this week. Obviously, they are without Bashad Breeland as well. Um, so Legereus Sneed, their rookie, did play pretty well once Ward got hurt. But the Chiefs being without their two starting corners uh, is an interesting thing to keep an eye on, especially for Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Right. That's uh, one of the big matchups. I think they have to attack... Uh, both Fenton and Sneed, um, presumably those two would be on uh, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. So y- you got to go at them because I think they're definitely the easiest matchup to exploit. Uh, other than, of course, Stephen A. Smith's favorite matchup, Hunter Henry versus Derek Johnson. Um, <laughs> other, than, other than that, though, uh, I think that you got to go after Legarius Sneed. Uh, also, uh yeah, also Rashad Fenton, as I mentioned before. And other than that, I, I think you want to try to put the Chiefs' second-level uh, linebackers in sort of a troubling position. You know, Willie Gay is someone who showed promise, but they do still have Damian Wilson there, Anthony Hitchens. Uh, I think you're kind of able to, you know, if you can kind of expose those two guys, uh, I think, you know, either through some runs or get them into passing coverage situations, uh, I definitely think that that can help the Chargers offense uh, extend drives. Yeah, absolutely. This is all going to be about matchups because uh, it'll be really interesting to see how they use uh, Tyron Matthew this week, if they bump him outside to kind of help out or if they keep him in the uh, rotational role that he's been so good at with the Chiefs. Um yeah, I mentioned this to you guys today. Uh, he lined up as a pass rusher nine times um, against the Texans. So um, definitely keep an eye on where uh, the Honey Badger is lined up on. And this is something that I was going to focus on on my film breakdown, which I'll get into probably tomorrow. But um, just keep an eye for where the Honey Badger is lined up. They really like to mix him around. But if they feel like they need some help on the outside and they put him on Keenan Allen or Mike Williams, I think that is a matchup that you should attack, especially if it's Mike Williams, because Honey Badger's like 5'7". Um, the other injury, kind of of note, Alex Okafor has not practiced. Uh, he's got a hamstring issue. He's he's not a starter, but he's not really a backup. They really rotate him a lot. Um, he's played uh, a lot of snaps for them over the years, but they do have that other defensive end who they drafted a couple of years ago, I forget his name, and it's impossible to pronounce anyway. So uh, I'm sorry, but <laughs> to 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 Pangan Kapaskis? yeah, that one, <laughs> I, <laughs> something it, like that, I, man. I I have to look up the Chiefs depth chart and try to pronounce his name properly. I, I mean, no disrespect to Pangan Kapagnas. <laughs> you're just, I mean, you're just making me think of Topanga from Boy Meets World, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure that's his name. Let me look it up. Oh, that's so uh, funny. Oh. <laughs> to know, to know, Kapasognan, Kapasognan, spell it. It's probably a silent K. K P A S S A G N O N. So it's. I'm guessing it's a silent K, and it's to know, Pasognan. Interesting. Uh, I I don't know though. I feel like the substitute teacher in the Key and Peel sketch. Um, <laughs> but yeah, to, to know Kapasagan. But yeah, no, yeah. So so that guy's the of... starter. <laughs> yeah, uh, so um, 
<laughs> that guy's the starter. Um, Alex Okafor is is kind of the backup, and he does rotate in a lot. Um, that obviously hurts their depth. And then um, Kalen Saunders, you mentioned, has an elbow issue. He has not practiced as well. They listed like pretty much their entire offensive line in, on the injury report, even though all of them have been full practice. Um, Kalecki Osamele and uh, Austin Reader or Ryder um, have been full practice, but they were listed on the injury report. So obviously they should be good to go. Um, so yeah, let's get into our keys to the game. Obviously we talked a little bit, you know, Tyra being patient. Um, did you have one specific thing? Uh, that you wanted to mention that you feel like is the most important thing for the Chargers if they're going to win this week? Uh, the most important thing that I can think of is Travis Kelsey. Uh, I, I think he is, and you look at his games last year, so he had one game, obviously, without Derwin James. That was the Mexico game. And that was the game where he um, was basically covered by kind of a multitude of defenders. It was Rayshon Jenkins on some snaps, Thomas Davis on other snaps. Michael Davis um, had some snaps where he was responsible for him, but they didn't really have one guy who could cover him. Uh, and that was sort of the problem in that game. And he had seven receptions for 92 yards and a touchdown. So, But uh, when you look at the Week 17 game, when Derwin James was active, uh, he had three receptions for 24 yards. So... There is a huge difference when Derwin James is inactive, when he's active uh, in the matchup on Travis Kelsey. And it's a real bummer that obviously his injury in general, but uh, his injury when it comes to the matchup against the Chiefs um, is huge. Um, So I hope Rayshon or Desmond King, any of those guys they use, I I don't know who exactly they're going to put on Kelsey and how they're going to deal with him. Um, but it's a weird thing because I, I feel relatively confident in how the Chargers corners match up with the wide receivers. We mentioned like Michael Davis on Tyreek Hill or uh, I think Casey Hayward can get Sammy Watkins. And I think Harris can handle, you know, um, sort of like, a, a, you know, Demarcus Robinson or someone like that. So I think they can handle the wide receivers, but it's just can you handle tight end? Because if you can't handle Kelsey then that opens the door for, you know, the wide receivers to uh, really let it loose if, you know, you have to uh, kind of put more resources towards Kelsey. So uh, the one thing that I'm concerned about is either how Rayshon or, you know, uh, maybe maybe Kenneth Murray gets a couple snaps on him. Um, but I'm curious to see how exactly they handle Kelsey. Yeah, that to, that to me is really... Because you can you can you know shift coverage to Tyreek Hill and limit plays and the Chargers have done a really good job of that. But if Travis Kelsey has seventy five plus yards, I think it's going to be a long day for the Chargers defense. I think really Travis Kelsey is what makes their offense go. Um, I would be interested in seeing maybe Chris Harris on the on him a little bit too, and then you can yeah. put uh, Desmond King against Demarcus Robinson. I think that probably would be a better situation uh, or better scenario. Excuse me. So that'll be interesting to see kind of expanding on that as well. I think the chargers really fell in love with their nickel defense against the uh, Bengals and it kind of bit them in the ass, especially on the last (laughs) drive, because they just, they stayed in nickel on every single play and the, the Bengals were going five wide on the majority of that final drive. So if the chargers don't roll out some more dime packages, I think the chargers could be in a little trouble there. Um, I, I thought going into the Bengals game that how they handled Joe Mixon was going to be a key to the game, and I thought they did very well. And Clyde Edwards, a layer man, <laughs> I think he might be already like a top six or seven running back in the league. Like, I really do. I think he is special, and I think he opens up so many things for what the Chiefs want to do. And Daniel Jeremiah uh, tweeted this video about they had this running play where it was like a play-action RPO, and the two safeties on the Texans – at the snap just immediately took off deep. Like they didn't even bother looking at run play. And so if the chargers are are in a similar boat and, and they're just selling out deep, that's going to open up a lot of running lanes for Clyde Edwards, Alaire, and he might just be able to uh, have another game like he did last week and go for 150 yards and a touchdown again. Right. Uh, I I think keying in on Clyde is going to be one of the big things in this game. Um, he was a monster against the Texans, even when they were really like trying to throw the house at him, he was still like just avoiding tackles. He's so 
quick and elusive. Um, he, he, in a sense, is kind of like um, Austin Eckler a little bit, uh, and he's sort of like the Chiefs version of him now. Uh, but obviously, I think a little bit better when it comes to kind of cutting. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see how the Chargers key on, on him. Obviously, I think Kenneth Murray is going to be uh, such a big piece to run stopping, especially because uh, of the injury to Drew Tranquil. So Kenneth Murray is going to have to step up, I think, in yeah. a big way in this game. And I think he's going to have a lot of uh, responsibilities. And then I think another key thing for the defense is Patrick Mahomes can beat you with his legs too. So I, I almost right. would prefer that the chargers go into the dime package and you have Kenneth Murray kind of spy Patrick Mahomes. And then you can stick Chris Harris on Travis Kelsey. You can stick uh, Desmond King kind of in spy of Clyde Edwards Hilaire as well. And I think the defensive line is good enough where they can kind of manage the running game. You know, Linval Joseph, I thought had a fantastic game on Sunday uh, and I think that should continue. I think he's going to open up a lot of things for this defense. But I would, I am looking for the Chargers to play more dime package, get better athletes out there. All due respect to Nick Vigil, I thought he played okay. But, you know, there were some situations where they put him on John Ross one time. And I was like, <laughs> what, what are we doing? Like, how does this happen? If that's Tyree Kill, it's a touchdown. Like, if they stay in nickel package too often, I'm going to, this is going to be a long day. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think we should put Nick Vigil on Tyreek Hill. I just want no. to be up there, up there with my opinion. Uh, yeah, so I, I think with Tyreek Hill, um, my, Michael Davis just has to be the answer there. Like, you know, you, you can't put Casey Hayward on uh, Tyreek Hill. You can't put Chris Harris on him. Right. Um, it has to be Michael Davis keeping up with him at his speed. And to Michael Davis's credit, uh, I think he did very good against Tyreek Hill last year. Tyreek got hurt at the beginning of the game last year, but he, you know, he played about a full quarter, and Michael Davis was playing him pretty well. And then in the second uh, game, Mike, uh, Tyreek Hill got about 60 yards on, uh, I think, five, six targets. Uh, so he never really exploded like he does in some of these games. So the Chargers, at least last season, uh, did a pretty good job of keying in on Tyreek and uh, having Davis really just run deep with him and kind of be able to contain him. Yeah, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. So let's shift to the offensive side now. I think there's a lot of things this, that this group can clean up. Uh, you know, we've talked about this quite a bit. Uh, you brought up this great stat today on Twitter about the point differential in the division, you know, Chiefs against everybody else. And the Chargers have pretty clearly uh, done the best out of everyone in the division. Why don't you uh, explain that statistic that you brought up? Yeah, so I was just curious, and I kind of went on Wikipedia today, <laughs> and I just looked up kind of what were the scores for each of the AFC West teams against the Chiefs uh, in the last two years, right? So the last two years is obviously the Mahomes era. Uh, so all... All three teams, so the Raiders, the Chargers, the Broncos, have all played four games against the Chiefs at this point. Um, and so I was curious to see what the point differentials would be in those four games. I obviously thought the Raiders would be the worst because, you know, they had some blowout games against the Chiefs. I thought the Chargers would be the closest because they've never really been uh, blown out by the Chiefs uh, over the last two years. Uh, they've always kept it at least within 10 uh, so that's that's been a, a good credit to them. But so the actual numbers ended up being uh, in those four games, the Raiders are minus 88 uh, against the Chiefs, which is <laughs> just something special. So that means uh, they lose each game to the Chiefs by an average of 22 points, which is oh my gosh. just <laughs> something. Uh, you that should extend so Gruden for another 10 years. Yes, please. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so and the Broncos were minus fifty-five, uh, and so they lose on average to the Chiefs by minus. Uh, you know they have a average point differential of minus thirteen point seven five. So they're losing by an average of two touchdowns. Um, and th that one was a little bit weird because if you remember right, Patrick Mahomes uh, obviously had that uh, you know knee injury against the Broncos. I I think halfway through the game. Yeah, and then last Matt Moore season. came in. Yeah. Uh, and that well, the, didn't really help the Broncos. They still lost like 30 to six, <laughs> so didn't really help them. But uh, yeah, so the 
Broncos are minus 55, the Chief, uh, the Raiders are minus 88, and the Chargers are minus 26. So obviously they were minus 9 in 2018 with the 10-point loss and the 1-point win. And then in 2019 they were minus uh, 7 after the Mexico game and minus 10 uh, with the regular season finale. So they ended up being minus 26. Um, and yeah, what I just meant by that stat was it's clear that the Chargers have been the most competitive team uh, versus the Chiefs uh, in the AFC West, and the defense can contain Patrick Mahomes, right? And, it, <laughs> I, you know, I don't want to bag on Phillip Rivers, um, but I, I've seen a lot of people just have a lot of negativity this week, and I'm about to go on a rant. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen a lot of people have a lot of negativity this week and be like, oh, well, Phillip Rivers, you know, they, they can't win without Phillip Rivers. Tyrod, they have a high school offense, and it, it's not good. I'm like, all right, how can I say this? Phillip Rivers threw four fucking interceptions last <laughs> year in the Mexico City game, and they lost by seven points. Like, if Phillip Rivers throws one fewer interception, that game goes to overtime, probably. Uh, you know, the ball he threw to Sorensen when he tried to air it out to Eckler in the end zone. If he throws two fewer interceptions, they probably win the they game. They probably win, yeah. If you remember, yeah. they had that one uh, LaShawn McCoy touchdown was was set up by a, uh, an interception to the Honey Badger, and he almost returned it. I think he returned it to, like, the seven-yard line. Yeah. Um, it's just stuff like that where it's like, I get that people are, you know, iffy on Tyrod after week one, and I understand that, you know, people aren't totally bought into, like, the whole game manager thing as, to, as opposed to Rivers just, you know, chucking it, you know, tw- <laughs> you know 20 yards every pass. Um, but I, I think that you just have to acknowledge the reality there that it's like, you know, if Phillip Rivers doesn't turn it over, you know, however many times he turned it over against the Chiefs in both games in 2019, it's like the Chargers could have won one or two of those games. And it's like, you know, I understand that the Chargers offense didn't look dynamic in week one, but if you're one of these people that thinks the Chargers are going to lose by three touchdowns, I think you need to get your head checked because Tyron's not going to throw interceptions and this team's defense is always going to keep them in games. Like, that's just, I think, the reality. And maybe the Chiefs pull away late. Again, I don't have the Chargers winning this game. We'll get to our, our picks a little bit later. But it's just like, so, you know, the Chargers have always kept these games close against the Chiefs. And Tyrod doesn't turn it over. I just don't know how you, these people keep arguing that, oh, well, well Philip Rivers, they would win this game. Again, Philip Rivers threw four fucking picks last year in the Mexico game. <laughs> I feel like I'm going crazy. Yeah, it going back and watching that game was so tough because it's like you know <laughs> that it's coming, and and it was just tough to watch. And so obviously the, the turnover battle has been like the emphasis of the season for the Chargers. And, and Anthony Lynn pointed this out um, in his three years against the Chiefs, and that includes obviously the first year of of Alex Smith. Uh, the Chargers have lost the turnover battle 17 to 2. So that really, like, I'm, I'm, the Chargers are going to beat a dead horse with this turnover battle all season long. We need to get ready for that. And, you know, it, it's true, though, because you can't beat a team if you're giving them 17 extra possessions, especially a Patrick Mahomes team. And, you know, going back to basketball and the Warriors, because I feel like the Warriors and the Chiefs, like, they're very similar. You know, they have players that are able to go to this stratosphere where no one's going to stop them. If you give if you gave Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Kevin Durant extra possessions, you were screwed. If you turn the ball over 20 times a game against the Warriors, you're done. If you turn the ball over 17 times in three years against the Chiefs, you're not winning many games. And they haven't. So, you know, we saw the Chargers win on Sunday. Ugly. They won the turnover battle. If they can do that again, and the and Tyrod throws her 200 yards, but they win, like, are we going to be upset? Is everybody on Twitter going to be like, well, this offense fucking sucks? It's like, no, you just beat the Chiefs. So let's relax a little bit. I think the Chargers understand how to compete with the Chiefs, maybe not on a total win uh, scale, but in an individual matchup with the Chiefs, the Chargers have done as good as a job as anyone in the league. And I expect it to be a close game. You know, I think that I don't think the chiefs will cover the spread, which we'll get into, but 
the Chargers defense is built to keep this team in a low scoring type of game. And if the offense doesn't turn the ball over and give them a free touchdown at the seven yard line, then they'll be in good shape. So I, I, I agree with you. I think that's spot on. Any other things you want to point out about key matchups or, or keys to victory in terms of the offensive side of the ball besides not turning the ball over? Oh, I should mention as we were getting the scores, I see a lot of people being like, well, how did the Chargers not score on the Bengals, but the Browns <laughs> scored on the Bengals? I'm like, these results don't mean anything, man. It's <laughs> it's still the preseason for some of these guys. Like, yeah. they didn't have a preseason. It's a Thursday night game uh, on the road in Cleveland. Like, this is going to be a, a tougher game, uh, you know, uh, you know, just defensively, right, for both teams. And that's what it ended up being. Uh, for how little regular season results matter, uh, I, speaking of basketball, you mentioned the Warriors. The Sixers beat the fucking Bucks and the, you know, Heat by like 30 points in different intervals. They're not better than those teams. Right. Uh, <laughs> they suck. So, it, you know, it's just like people just need to chill out and stop overreacting to every little thing. Yeah. Uh, in the I- words of Aaron Rodgers, R E L A. X, relax. Yeah, every game in the NFL is different. And I think that, you know, it's such a matchup based sport more so than I think the other, the other sports, because, you know, you, you might see something on film against one team and, and then you employ it, right? The week one against a team with no preseason, you're kind of gonna, you know, be out there with some training wheels on. And that seemed like what the, the case was with the Chargers. I, I'm kind of done talking about it because they won. Like I, I'm, I'm ready to move on to the <laughs> yeah. Chiefs, right? So, you know, we mentioned the corners. I think the corners of the Chiefs specifically. I think Mike Williams and Keenan Allen need to have a a big game, and I think Keenan Allen specifically, you got to get him going. And that's something that you know we were talking about the three of us today. The Chargers need to be willing to scheme their better players open because you know, I, I think the the offense as a whole is a work in progress. And so you, I hate to say this because people are probably gonna take this negatively, but you almost have to treat Tyrod in this instance, like a rookie quarterback because he has no chemistry with these guys. He has no, he didn't have an off season. He wasn't the starter last year. So you need to get him some quick throws, get him into a rhythm, do some more bootlegs. They only did like three or four in the first half. They didn't do any in the second half. Give him some easy throws at the start of the season and help him build a nice relationship with these receivers and 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 make the offense more dynamic that way. But you know, don't take this as a negative thing towards Tyrod. I don't think that this is an indictment at him at all. I just think that the team needs to establish a rhythm, and that's something that they were not able to do in Cincinnati because they didn't execute on certain plays, short yarded situations specifically. But if you get Tyrod out of the pocket, give him some easy throws, get him into a rhythm, give him some easy slants, I think that would go a long way for <laughs> the Chargers offense. Yeah, I mean, I think that's accurate that the Chargers definitely need to, you know, it, maybe people don't want to hear it, but treat Tyrod like he's a rookie quarterback, like you said. Um, he doesn't have chemistry with these guys, and adding to the rookie idea he is a rookie offensive coordinator, right? Yeah. Um, Shane Steichen is a guy who's, you know, not Ken Wisenhunt. He still has, you know, a lot of room for improvement, a lot of room for development. Uh, it's going to take him time before he really feels like, hey, you know, hey, I'm, you know, I know what I'm doing. You know, it's going to take him four, five, six, maybe even to the midpoint of the season where he totally feels comfortable calling the offense. Um, and that's going to be something he's going to have to work on with Tyrod. Uh, something he's going to have to work on with, obviously, all of the receivers. So I, I just think people, when it comes to this offense, like just need to chill out a little bit. And, you know, Tyrod's going to find Keenan Allen. <laughs> I really do think he's going to get him in this game. Um, it's Keenan has always been pretty successful against the Chiefs. Last year he had 153 yards against them and two touchdowns. Um, I just think people need to give this offense a little bit of time to develop and cook, especially since they had so little time in the off season. Yeah. I just think like there's been more talk somehow today. I think after watching these, after watching Joe Burrow of like, we should get Justin Herbert in there. And it's like, okay, <laughs> if Tyrod is struggling, 
then Justin <laughs> Herbert is probably going to struggle more because Tyrod, at least, you know, he was having the starting reps in the limited offseason. Justin Herbert has zero reps with the starting offense. Like it would be much worse. So I think, go ahead. Oh, uh, yeah. I was just going to say, you know, I, you know, I don't know who's going to be better in the long term between Herbert and Burrow, but, you know, Burrow came in as, you know, the most NFL ready quarterback that there's been like in a while. You know, he was always going to be the guy to go from day one, right? Same probably can't be said for, you know, Tua, who people have questions about, Herbert, who people have questions about, especially Jordan Love, who people have questions about. Oh, my about. gosh. You know, he's, he'll be starting after we're dead. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, it's just like, you know, I think when it comes to Burrow, he's like just, he was so obviously NFL ready. Like, not every quarterback comes out like that. And that was right. the case, I think, for Herbert. And Telesco said the moment he, he drafted Herbert and FaceTimed him, he was like, hey, we're going to be patient with you. You know, we're not going to rush you out onto the field. We're going to be patient, let you develop. And that just has to be the case for Herbert. So, you know, honestly, you know, unless Tyrod is throwing, you know, three, four picks a game, I, I just don't see how Herbert uh, really gets in here. And I know that's not what fans want to hear, but it's like if the team is, you know, competing in ball games, and regardless of Tyrod's final stat line and whether you like it or not, like they're just going to keep doing that. And they're not going to throw Herbert in before they feel he's ready. Yeah. I know that all of us want to see the Chargers win a Super Bowl. Like, believe me, I, I want to see that happen, but were we really expecting them to be in that kind of position this year? I certainly wasn't. I know you weren't. I know Tyler wasn't. And so I, like I've seen this line, well, if we're not competing for a Super Bowl, what's the point? It's like, well, the point is to build up players and improve as a team. And so for me, if the team goes eight and eight, that's an improvement. They won three more games than last year. Right. Like that needs to be okay. And and this offense taking some lumps going forward, it's just the reality of the situation. It's a new offense. It's a new starting quarterback. And like you mentioned, it's a rookie offensive coordinator with the first time having the keys to the offense, having the system to to make it his own because he had to run Kez, Ken Wisenhunt's offense mm-hmm. with a quarterback who basically checked out of every single play call. So this offense is going to take some lumps. That kind of leads me into the prediction thing. I think the Chargers will be able to keep it close. I think Patrick Mahomes scores a touchdown late. Uh, you know, probably throws it to Kelsey, honestly. Um, and I think the Chiefs probably win. I'm going to go 27 to 20. So I think the offense will score one more touchdown. You know, they kick a couple of field goals, but I think the Chiefs win 27 to 20. So for my score prediction, I went 30 to 21. Uh, so I think the Chargers keep it close to the game, but I think the Chiefs get a late touchdown uh, to pull away. So maybe the Chiefs are up by like two or three going into the final quarter um, and then pull away with a late touchdown. Um, I I see a way, right? We obviously see a way in which the Chargers can compete. I think the defense will keep it close. Uh, the Kelsey thing is a little bit concerning, but I still think they've been able to stop Mahomes, uh, and, you know, limit him, uh, and, you know, uh, other than the Mexico game, they've been able to keep him from getting insane rush yards as well. He, you know, has been able to be contained. You can contain Tyreek Hill, right? You can contain all these things from happening, but ultimately I just... I don't see the offense at this juncture, you know, maybe later in the season when they're kind of fully kind of on key with each other. And, um, you know, you see Tyrod starting to play well and you see Steichen having a better connection with all these guys. Um, obviously, you have to see the Tyrod Keenan connection develop and Tyrod other connections develop. I think later in the season, week 17, uh, they'll have a better chance to beat the Chiefs. Um, just because I think they'll be more prepared and they'll have more experience playing with each other uh, from an offensive standpoint. But for now, um, I think the Chiefs are going to come in and win this game. I think it'll be close, but I think that but the Chiefs are favored by about 8.5 this game. I think that ends up being about right. So I'll take Chiefs by uh, about 9 in this one. Yeah, I think that's totally reasonable. And don't freak out. Like if the Chargers lose, yeah. do not freak out. Like the right. offense will be fine. This team's going to be all right going forward. It's just 
you know, the offense is going to take some time to develop some chemistry and figure out, uh, you know, Anthony Lynn said they, they've got to figure out who can do what and specifically what works in situations. And there is a path in which I could see the Chargers winning this game. You know, they've got to be much better in, in short yarded situations. They've probably got to create three turnovers somehow, whether that's a Clyde Edwards or Fumble or Patrick Mahomes turnover. Um, obviously, don't turn the ball over. There is a pathway to which the Chargers could beat the Chiefs on on Sunday. I just don't see it happening. You know, I think the Chiefs are just the Chiefs are so good, man. I I really <laughs> think the Chiefs could go fourteen and two this year, maybe even fifteen and one. Right. Um. And I I think the best thing you said is like not to freak out if they lose this game. Right. Um. Unless they, you know, if they really get blown out and the Chiefs are, you know, really just handing it to them. Uh, that could be a problem, and that's something we would obviously talk about on those Sunday podcasts about you know things they really really have to do better if they get blown out. I don't expect right. that to happen though. <laughs> no. Um, but I, I think the thing is, you know, they they have some opponents coming up after the Chiefs that are still trying to figure out things of their own. Like you know, the Panthers are still trying to figure out uh, their whole offense. The Bucks are obviously just trying to figure out you know what's this Brady Arians thing. Um, and then obviously they have the Jets and the Jaguars and the Dolphins coming up later on. So like, you know, and that's just about the first half of the season, uh, leading up into the bye. Like, so that just goes on to, for, for me to reaffirm, you know, if they lose this game, don't freak out. They have a chance to get some of these, uh, W's down the road. And the Panthers should be kind of that get right game for most offenses. I right. think they're starting five rookies this year. Um, outside of Shaq Thompson, they don't really have any premier players on defense. So, uh, I think, you know, this, that Panthers game should give the Chargers some good momentum going into, um, the hard stretch of New Orleans and Tampa Bay. But please don't add us. Should we freak out? No, do not freak out. It's going to be okay. Uh, you know, the Chiefs are just an amazing team. If they win, obviously, you know, fantastic. If they lose, that's okay because it's the Chiefs. So, Alex, any other thoughts before we wrap up today? Uh, not many other thoughts. I um, uh, I just hope they come in and we hope have Keenan Allen catch a couple more passes. Uh, that would be fun. And uh, for the sake of my fantasy team, uh, just just please give uh, Joshua Kelly some consideration this game because I'm really desperate <laughs> for running backs in one of my leagues. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um. I think it'll be a fun game. I think it stays close. Uh, I'm, I'm happy the Chargers kind of get a national game with uh, Romo and Nance going there, and it's going to be that CBS uh, national yeah. slot, so I'm excited for that. Yeah, that should be nice. I, I will say I think this is going to be a bit of an overcorrection. I think the Chargers are going to kind of focus in on Keenan Allen much more, uh, so I could see Keenan Allen having a big game. And same with Austin Eckler. I think I could see him catching six, seven balls and, and having a good game as well. So definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, thanks for tuning in guys. Obviously make sure and follow us on social media. If you're new, we do have Patreon, make sure and hit us up there. Uh, stay tuned for those film breakdowns. Alex is going to do one on Joshua Kelly and I'm going to do one on, uh, the chiefs defense coming soon. So, uh, thanks for all your support guys. We do really appreciate it and we'll see you next time.